can you remember where we left off last week? I'll give you a clue. Nathan? Not Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nathan was the story of the prophet before David. That's right, Nathan before David. He, re- he read a little parable to, he presented a oh. parable to David. Um, the, the judgment would be the one that they would have given to David for the something he was explaining. Yeah. That meant that the, the judgment would be for David. Okay, sort of. But I want to try and bring everything together um, this morning. And Remember, David was the king that just decided not to go to work one day. And we were looking at all the ramifications of that. And he said that David ought to know better. Why was it that David ought to have known better? Sorry? Why was it that David ought to have known better? Because he knew God. Only he knew God. But there was some, David was the king. He was the king of Israel. Right? So he should be the role model for his Okay, let's take a look at Deuteronomy 17. That's right. Deuteronomy 17, verse 14. Because remember when we were looking at um, at 2 Samuel, um, the things that David did, he said, you know, it was um, murder, adultery, and well, there's some obvious things there, but there's some hidden things there. If you go to Deuteronomy, come on, let's see. Anybody faster than me? Yeah, I got it. 17, 14? Oh, 13 is 17, 14. Right. After you read it. Oh, yeah. Does yours have a heading? Instructions concerning a king. That's right. Because there's very specific instructions concerning the king in 17, 14. Go ahead. Man, 14 is 17. No, Deuteronomy 17. Read the entire section dealing with the king. The entire section, okay. After you have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is going to give you and have settled there, then you will decide you need a king like all the nations around you. Be sure that the man you choose to be king is the one whom the Lord has chosen. Now hold on a second, Shadwell. Actually, read it kind of slowly and think about us and what's happening. Because this was, this is Moses, right? Before David and the kings writing about what's going to happen to the nation, right? And God is setting down some rules. He set down all kinds of rules, but this one, because we're looking at David, this was specific to the kings. But, you know, that, that thing there, um, the last thing Shadwell said, be, the sure. King, be sure that the king is the one that God has chosen. Okay, go ahead. He must be one of your own people. Do not make One of your own people. Who's this? He had to be, he had to be an Israelite. They cannot, they shouldn't have anyone else but an Israelite who understands the relationship with God, in this case, especially the Abrahamic covenant. Go ahead. Do not make make a foreigner your king. The king is not to have a large number of horses for his army. Right. And And he is not to send people to Egypt to buy horses. 
because the Lord has said that his people are never to return there. The king is not to have many wives because this would make him turn away from the Lord. And he is not to make himself rich with silver and gold. When he becomes king, he is to have a copy of the book of the law of the book of God's laws and teachings made from the original copy kept by the political priests. He is to keep this book real, this real hard. near him and read from it all his life, so that he will learn to honor the Lord and to obey faithfully everything that is commanded in it. This will keep him from thinking that he is better than other Israelites and from dis disobeying the Lord's commands in any way. Then he will reign for many years and his descendants will rule Israel for many generations. That's all under that talk. That's it, right. Okay. We may not be the kings of Israel or even the prime minister of the Bahamas, but there are a lot of truths in there that apply to us. Right? And if we go um, to the beginning, the people that we want to rule over us should know God. And if you look at any of the countries in the world where God has been displaced as really the arbiter of dispute or um, the final judge as far as where the nation goes or what the nation does, you will find that historically they've been ruined. They have been ruined. I mean, if you look at our brother to the north, what's happening right now? If you look at the British Commonwealth, they used to say that the sun never set on, was it the sun never set on the Commonwealth or on the Queen or whatever? I mean, on from the Union Jack. On the Union Jack. From Africa to the Caribbean to the Southeast Asia, the UK was in charge. The missionaries that the UK sent out to the world, I mean, look at the annals of history. Amazing. They changed the world for God. <coughs> if you go to the UK now, you, I mean, you wonder, is this the same country? You know, those countries that went against Israel, I mean, Egypt, Rome, Greece, all of them. Greece is bankrupt now. There is no longer a country called Rome. Look at Egypt. Look at the history. In all eyes. Those are nations. But in all eyes, when we Neglect to honor God. Destruction follows. If God isn't the head of our household, look for disaster. I don't care how you dress it up for the world to see. There will be disaster. Um, we had a Bible study last night. And Minister, I never thought about it. But the question was asked, why, what are good reasons for you to be married? What are bad reasons for you to marry? And 
everyone was staring at each other as far as the good reasons. But we had a long list of bad reasons. And the most amusing bad reason was um, to have sex so that God could say it's okay. Hmm. But, you know, marriage is supposed to be a reflection of a Christ relationship with his church. And we as people, our primary goal is to honor God. And we boiled up, we, we came to the conclusion with two reasons, two good reasons to, honor, to, to, to marry. One is because you love each other, but even more so, to make sure that God is honored in that relationship. And we then tried to, we asked each other, the couples that were present, what is the most important thing in your marriage or in choosing that mate? And we came to realize that one non-negotiable thing was that forget how the person looked, how the person smelled, how they talked, how much money they had. The one non-negotiable thing was a love for God. If your mate did not love God, wanted to honor God, we couldn't even be considered. And this morning a friend of ours said, you know, when a Christian marries a non-Christian, their father-in-law is the devil. <laughs> and well, they heard that from, I think from Tony Evans, right? But it's so true. You know, when you start taking your eyes off of God, you're running into problems. And your life will be out of balance. It really will be out of balance. And that's what happened to David. David had the resources available to him. David was supposed to have written the law and read the law every single day. If there's anybody in all of Israel who's supposed to know what the Lord required of him, it was the king. And the king at that time was David. Right? And David didn't go to work that day. And I can assure you, David wasn't reading the law that day when he saw Bathsheba. That's what happens to us. When we take our eyes off of God. Or when we say, you know, God doesn't, there's no importance for God to be involved in this particular decision. It's too small. You know, I am sure if David had brought that decision of where he went to battle with his men, as a king ought to, before the Lord, he wouldn't stay home that day. There is no decision that we make, no choice that we make, that should be devoid of the influence of God. You know, when we get up in the morning and we say, I'm right, going to church because I don't feel good. Or I'm going to church because, you know, I know who the pastor is that's talking and he ain't got nothing to say to me. <laughs> or, you know, it's too far or whatever. We're running the risk of being just like David. God is not in our decision making. It is crucial to our life. Now, and we're talking about prayer tonight at the service, and everyone's welcome to come. But I'll tell you this little story. 
when I was um, first introduced to Denise, I wasn't really that interested in seeing Denise again. I think I told you that. But it came to a point where I wanted to be able to call Denise to speak with her because yes, I really become enamored with Denise. And when Denise actually gave me her telephone number, to me that said, call me. I gotta tell you, I took advantage of that privilege. I couldn't stop calling. Even if it's just to hear her voice, then I had to manufacture some reason why I called. And I've been mumbling to do whatever, but when she answered, I felt good. And that went on and on and on. We were married, and it got to the point where some days I didn't call Denise. You know, Paul calls it losing your first love. Familiarity breeds contempt. You decide, it ain't that important. Man, I talked with her this morning, I can talk with her tonight. I gotta talk with her in between, because I got all these kind of things. Actually, all these things I'm doing, I'm gonna benefit her anyway. That communication was lost. That's what happened with David, and that's what happens with us. Quite often, we are saved, we have that wonderful prayer relationship, we can't, we're in the Word every day. We're talking with God, all we want to do is praise God, please God. And, you know, a year or so afterwards, especially if there's no discipleship, no encouragement, you know, that prayer life starts, you know, start getting caught up in the important, the so-called urgent, but not the essential. You can't ignore the essential. Um, and that's what happened to David. And that's what caused his life to be out of balance. And we'll see that David's life went from balance, out of balance, balance, out of balance. But when God said he was a man after his own heart, there was a good reason for that. David realized, found the key to get into balance. How to get into balance. And that's available to all of us. All of us. Okay. But the things that David did. Was David rich? The king of Israel at that time? Was he very wealthy? Okay, I'll answer. Yes, yes. he was. More he wealthy was. than any king before him or after. You know, David <laughs> was amazingly wealthy. What is the, what, what, what did, what did Shadwell read about, about that wealth? Well, basically, um, and he is not to make himself rich with silver and gold. Exactly. And prior to that, he should not acquire many wives for himself. Right? Huge army. And this was an army, you know, walking and with staffs. These were fellows with swords and horses. He must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. <coughs> Sorry. You know, many horses for David. Was he reading that the book of the Lord daily? I doubt it seriously. But God always gave a reason for all of these things. And I call them distractions. Right? Let's 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 look, let's start from the top. Many horses he should not require many horses for himself. Um because the Lord said, you shall never return that way again. Don't go to Egypt. Okay? Now, the interesting thing, you know the story about Joseph 
sorry, Moses and Joseph, etc. In the Abrahamic covenant, God had promised the land of Canaan to the Israelites. They were going to multiply, they were supposed to possess the land. Well, Abraham made a bit of a mistake. He decided to use, instead of going across to Canaan, he'd go up to Haran, and then he'd go down to Canaan. Why? Not sure, but that's a decision that he made. The nation of Israel was actually in Canaan, and they decided they would go to Egypt. They actually said to Pharaoh, I mean to, to Joseph, that we'd become your slaves. Right? They actually allowed themselves to become subject, I mean willingly become subject to Pharaoh. Interestingly enough, you know, that Pharaoh was a benevolent Pharaoh to them because of Joseph. But after Joseph died, and that Pharaoh died, some Pharaohs came that knew nothing about Joseph. And they suffered. And they suffered greatly. All the time, they knew what God had promised them, where they were supposed to be. And okay, first time, they didn't go. But they're actually in the place now. And they decided to leave the place and become subject to, to Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh eventually makes them suffer. Big time. Yeah. Finally they got it. And Moses was able to actually get them off to the promised land. Although he never, well, he eventually saw it, but that was in the New Testament. But they got into the promised land. And even after that, one thing that happened all the time, what always happened with the nation of Israel, it caused them to suffer. One word, one kind of law. Rebel against God. Disobedience. Rebellion. And that's what happened in David's life. And that's what happens in our lives. For some of us, we praise God on the mountaintop. And others of us, we cry to God in, God in the valley. Quite often, we don't do both. Now, some of us, when we're in the valley, we try to work it out ourselves. And when you're on the mountaintop, we praise ourselves. But some combinations too. We are praising God no matter where we are. And trying to find out what is God's design and purpose for us throughout our lives. When we take our eyes off of God, our lives go out of balance. Now, if you remember what Nathan, the story that Nathan presented to, to David, basically the rich man wanting more, just taking it because he could. And David saying, well, that man ought to be put to death. Right? David's response to Nathan, can someone find Psalm 51 for me? <clears throat> Who can beat Shadwell and I? Well, you have Psalm, you have Psalm 51? Okay. What does the title say? The prayer of repentance. That's it? No. Then it has the... Okay. Who has, who has an expanded title for that? For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Shadrach. Very good. Okay. Go ahead, Ampu. Read it. Have mercy upon us in God, 
according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Okay, let's stop right there for a moment. What does David do? What is that saying, David? What's, what is David doing there in those verses? Asking for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness. And asking for forgiveness. Okay, prior to asking for forgiveness, do you think that David was before the Lord in a strong relationship? Well, think of it. Well, I am having an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and David. I might at that moment say, oh Lord, thank you for Bathsheba. I'm praising. I doubt that seriously. But David, knowing the law, I mean being intimately acquainted with the law. I mean, probably the only people that know the law better than David were probably the priests at the time. Right? What does he do? He goes to the Lord and he asks for forgiveness. And people may say that's Old Testament stuff. But even in the New Testament, you're told, go before the Lord. Confess our sins. And he confesses his sins. We ask forgiveness. And the Lord is what? He's faithful. He's also just. He will forgive us. But we need to be able to recognize what we're doing. It's and it's never too late to make a U-turn. It's never too late to make a U-turn. But the thing is, that U-turn has to be in accordance with the Lord's will. It can't be your will. It just can't be. You know? Um, I was watching Tony Evans, actually, as by my father, I was watching Tony Evans this morning. And he was talking about his counseling ministry. And he said, the most difficult thing in his counseling ministry is, particularly in his counseling couples, is to get the couple, the spouse, to recognize the supremacy of God and to agree that they will abide by what God says. Because they want to be, it's, this is how I feel. This is what I want. This is what I need. Is it unfair for me to, it's always a, uh, something about me. It's never, and the beauty of being a Christian is you can always say, just like Adam said, that's the woman that you gave me. Lord, this is what you want, therefore I will do it. And whatever happens, it's because you want it to happen. You have to get to the point where, you know, we aren't going to blame God. But you're going to say, Lord, because you are creator, because you're in charge, and I submit to you, what you decide, because I'm obedient to you, is what's required for me at this point in time. And as I've told you, there was a, there have been times in my life when I actually prayed for the Lord to come back immediately. Immediately. And that didn't happen. And I would describe those times, and I did, to Denise especially, like being in the valley of the shadow of death. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I pretty much put it totally in the Lord's hands 
And when I say totally in the Lord's hands, I mean not holding on to this little thing. Put it in the Lord's hands. That I was able to see the light and change and have my attitude changed. And that's the same thing in our lives. If you want to have balance and true comfort, the Lord needs to reign supreme. There's, there, there's no choice about it. That's non-negotiable. The Lord knows exactly where we are, what we need. I, I can identify with Larry. I work four days a week now. It's more by choice. But there are times when, you know, I was working five days and making the five-day salary. But I can't have both because I like that fifth day. I get to spend most of that fifth day with Denise. I have good reason to have that smile on my face. Um, but you know, the Lord has blessed me in certain ways. And the blessing that He's given me, I can see why. And I can look back at the difficulties in my life and understand why those happen. And they help me to face the difficulties that I know are going to come. Not if they're going to come, when they arrive. And that's important for us when we start to, if you truly want to have balance in our lives, you need to prioritize our lives, prioritize our time, do it deliberately. Don't go with the flow. Go with the Lord. The Lord has given us his Bible, his book, the same way that David had the law. It's our responsibility to know what's in that book and to follow it. When the Lord says, don't forsake the assembling of the brothers, don't forsake the assembling with the brothers. When the Lord says, you shall pray, pray. When the Lord says, blank, blank, whatever that is. But whatever you do, do not stop communicating with God. You just can't. And the Lord wants us to communicate with each other because no man is an island and nothing that we do won't affect generations or even those that we know around us right now. Oh, sorry, Abu, can you continue? 51. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire the truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. This Clean. is one of the most beautiful parts part of the Bible. Go ahead, Apple. Clean in me, clear, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew. 
a steadfast spread for the Lord. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do I continue? Yes. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, and the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and your mouth shall, flow, shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I will give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not dispose. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, oh, creating, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. That should be a prayer and a song in our heart every single day. Because as we move away from God, or even as we are drawn away from God by the enemy, and then we is real, and that's his full-time job. I can tell you, he doesn't miss a day. We can remember that. Restoration. But we just can't sit down and expect it to come. It's something that we work at. We need to remember every moment that we are breathing, that's breath that God has given us. And it's breath that we need to use for the glory of God. Is what we're doing glorifying God? If it isn't, we need to put it away. Um, now there's a story of this fella walking around with this lizard on his shoulder. Christian fella, walking around with this lizard on his shoulder. And you know, the lizard is telling him, you know, we can do this. We can do that. This yeah. The boss won't know if you take ten dollars from petty cash, and you can do something good with that. You can get some roses for your wife, or whatever it is. And this fellow is praying for an angel to come and get rid of this lizard off his off his shoulder. You know, because the lizard is really representing the um, the old man. And so the angel appears with this huge sword, about to kill the lizard. And the said, no, 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 don't annihilate it. Just kind of knock it out a little bit. Because the brother is comfortable with the little lizard there. Because he doesn't want to get rid of everything. Just most of it. So he can still be comfortable. You have to be willing to get rid of the whole lizard. Just get rid of it. Slaughter it. You know, I raise sheep. You know, can't half slaughter sheep. Either it's the whole thing or nothing. Even though no, sheep still moving. But we have to be willing to put down that old man, put on the full arm of God, and let that be the basis for our decision making. But we need to know the Word of God. We need to be fellowshipping with like-minded Christians who want to praise the Lord. And are going to encourage us and we encourage them. Now let our iron sharpen their iron. And allow the balance in our lives be what the Lord requires of us. 
I might the worst. You know, you shouldn't you a man with his good. And what does the Lord require of thee? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your Lord. If that's our watchword, our lives will be in balance. Now you'll have no excuses. Your life should be in balance. But it's going to be your work. You have to be aligned with God all the time. And I'm going to keep on repeating that. We have to be aligned with God. He designed us. He knows what's good for us. And He has told us what is good for us. It's just for us to be obedient. Yes, Shepherd. Uh, but Paul, I saw uh, someone does it on your shoulder. Uh-huh. I saw a quotation on Apostle Road by uh, Final Apostle Church. By who? Final Apostle Church. There's oh, that's on Foxy Road, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going, towards, going, going, going towards yeah. the prison. Like and, and, and they say, they say, tied on the devil right in your back, <laughs> take off the saddle. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you encourage it to doubt the mm-hmm. devil to ride your bark if you have a sad loan. That's right. But, but I mean, whatever it takes, we have to be obedient to the Lord. Not obedient to Pastor Arnett or the Constitution of Calvary Bible Church or to be or Joel Austin or Tony Evans or whoever. We have to be obedient to the Lord. And the Lord has given us the tools, we have to take them up. If we don't take them up, just be willing to suffer the consequences. And there will be serious consequences. I just want to, I have this little article, I found this article on stress. And it has to do with, what is it called? The effects of stress on the body. The hair. High stress levels may cause excessive hair loss and some forms of baldness. Now don't judge everybody <laughs> by that, okay? It says some forms of baldness. <laughs> On the brain, stress triggers mental and emotional problems such as insomnia, headaches, personality changes, um, Irritability, anxiety, and depression on the mouth causes mouth ulcers and excessive dryness. In the heart, cardiovascular disease, hypertension. In the lungs, can adversely affect individuals with asthmatic conditions. The digestive tract can cause or aggravate diseases of the digestive tract, including gastritis stomach and duodenal ulcers, ulcerative colitis, and irritable colon. In the skin, it causes eczema, psoriasis. Muscles, spasms, twitches, nervous tics, reproductive organs. Affects reproductive organs causing menstrual disorders and recurrent vaginal infections in women, and impotence, and all kinds of other things in men. A lot of our stresses, we manufacture ourselves because we really don't bring our issues before the Lord. Or just seek the Lord's guidance in resolving what there is. If we were to make that, uh, well, what should I say? 
or way of living. Bringing our issues before the Lord. The high stresses that we face in this society would be gone. You know, the fellow that's in Coconut Grove that has one-tenth of the money that any of us in here have, but has a solid relationship with the Lord, has his family around them, is able to pray with his wife, not feel concerned of what's going to happen tomorrow, hardly deals with these issues. The people in the family islands that lived 102 and 95 and 98, they don't have very high-stress lives. They don't have a whole lot of money. They ain't looking for a whole lot of money. Quite often, they have a solid and strong relationship with the Lord. They know Bible verses that I never knew. Or when I read them, I just glossed over them. They've been able to hide the Lord's word in their hearts so they wouldn't sin against the Lord. Because all those sins in the law, you find that the reason why God said don't do them is because so the people won't sin against him. So that they won't take their eyes off of him. There's a prayer in Proverbs that I love. I, I think it's Proverbs 30 something. Basically, it's almost like the opposite of the prayer of Jabez. Where the father is saying, you know, Lord, don't grip me so much that I would think it's because of me. Don't give me so little that I forget who you are and I start to evil. Just give me enough so I can praise you. Quite often, the reasons why our lives are out of balance is because we want things that the Lord doesn't want for us. And we're going after these elusive things that we think will bring us joy and peace and happiness. And when we get them, we find they don't and we want something else rather than look for what the Lord wants and be content. Well, on accumulating horses. Accumulating horses. Like a king. Like a king. And Shabdal, don't look to accumulate wives. <laughs> Just one. You know? But whatever it is, look, please look for what the Lord wants for you. Possess it, enjoy it, and be content. If you have to work so hard that you're stressed out to get it, no question whether you're supposed to have it in the first place. Well, honestly, I've never asked for anything. Big. If I'm supposed to have it, God will provide it. If I'm not supposed to have it, I am getting it. I've had that kind of mentality from growing up. You know, I, you know how sometimes people say, oh, they want that. But I've never pined after things that I, must, I didn't get. Well, that's, in a good, that's a good position to be in. <laughs> But if you're stressed, find out the source of your stress, and nine times out of ten, the reason for your stress is because you don't have or you don't feel the way you think you ought to feel or you don't have what you ought to have. And question whether that is what the Lord wants for you. Because when he's given ample, more than likely, isn't what he wants for me. So don't look at Ampu and say, man, I wish I had long hair like Ampu. 
Cause then I gotta wash down here. I gotta <laughs> style down here. I mean, be real. You have a leg pen too, but you put it up for a long time. Yeah. I want the money that that fella has. Well, that fella may be not be sleeping at night because he's wondering, trying to steal his money. But you sleep and get it tight. Don't give that up. Well, the Lord has allowed him to deal with lots of money and he can sleep well at night with lots of money. Yeah. Walk in the will of the Lord and be filled with joy. That's how you find balance in your life. That's the secret. That's the one minute manager to finding balance in your life. Gotcha. That's the end of my, of my series. I hope you found it helpful useful and if you have please apply it to your life because that will apply it to my life with wonderful results i've gone from high stress not to no stress yet but very low stress very low stress and my doctor would tell you the same thing you know, my levels are fantastic and one of the keys and i say this i mean in jest don't take everything in. a happy wife is a happy life <laughs> Anyway, let's just close the word of prayer. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your word. It's absolutely awesome. Father, we just pray that we would apply it to our lives. We would hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, we just pray that your love would work in and through us, that as we interact with each other and the wider community, we all would know that we are yours by your love. Now, Father, as we prepare to go our separate ways, pray that you watch over, protect, guide, and keep us in our small land and harm and danger. May you be glorified in our words, our actions, and our thoughts. We pray that you grant us safety as we travel, as we go into the sanctuary or wherever we go. But in all things, Lord, may you be glorified through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.